Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us, and you can catch up with me on Twitter at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support me on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie, all one word. Um, and if you do sign up, you get a weekly bonus episode of everything else I'm watching, so movies, TV shows books i'm reading i guess you're not watching books but you read books um but yeah we have a lot of fun on there and i want to take a moment to thank my top patrons they are jeff woodman philip barker michael cross and josh johnson thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on so i've got a returning guest with me on the show i've got jared from the nerd knighted nations podcast say hi jared hey lisa thanks for having me back yes welcome back so um, you were on our Mystery Men episode. You've been on a couple of times. Yeah, I believe I also did Gremlins, too. Yes, Gremlins. That was a great one. And the first time I'd seen it. So a fun episode. Definitely yeah. go check those out. Uh, but, Jared, if people haven't heard you on the show before, can you introduce yourself just a bit? Yeah, uh, my name is Jared. I co-host the Nerd Dad Nations podcast with my one of my best friends, Melissa, where we just talk anything nerdy uh we took a little of a bit of a hiatus while i life kind of got in the way over the holiday season so we just came back and recorded uh just a nerdy catch-up uh um, oh, nice yeah it was, it was good to get back on the mics again after like two or three months off but, sometimes uh, a break is good you know i understand life does interrupt for sure <laughs> Yeah, I had to get my travel schedule sorted out for work, so I travel a lot for work now, so I had to get all that sorted away before we could record, so. Oh, that's got to be tough. Yeah. But, uh, yes. Other than that, i just a regular bearded, nerded cat dad. I like to talk <laughs> about nerdy stuff. Awesome. And if you guys are just now listening to the show for the first time, I always have my guests pick the movie. So, Jared, what... What movie did you choose to talk about today? Uh, we are talking about Tim Burton's 2019 remake of Dumbo. Awesome. Okay. Um, now, this was my first time seeing this. Really? Yeah, I, I never caught it in theaters, so um, I had not seen it. But but tell me your journey with this movie. Like, Did you see it in theaters? Were you looking forward to it? You know, How did you end up seeing it? Oh, definitely. Um as you call, you were on our podcast a few years ago. We talked about Tim Burton. Yes, uh, I am a huge Tim Burton fan. He is my favorite director of all time. The, oh, the man, awesome! The man is simply an artist. And, yeah. Um, Dumbo, 
I would say Dumbo, the animated feature, is probably ranks in my top 10 of Disney animated movies of all time. So wow. this, this was a no-brainer for me, and I, I did catch it in theaters. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Yes, that was fun to talk about that on your show because I love Tim Burton as well. And we've done quite a few episodes on some of his movies. Like, um, you know, we've done uh, – I'm thinking now I'm on the spot – Beetlejuice um, – uh ed wood you know quite a few so i'm excited to talk about this um now so so this so dumbo was one of your favorite disney animated films um i agree like that was one of my favorites growing up for sure and it's kind of a unique film i feel like i'm you know the main character doesn't speak um so it's not like uh you know bambi where (laughs) they all the characters talk um, so I always thought that was a really unique part of the movie. And this movie seems to do a pretty good job of paying homage to a lot of like classic moments from the film, but it's definitely got that Tim Burton flair. Oh, definitely. And, uh, I haven't seen every single live action remake that Disney has done, but this is probably my favorite of all of them too, because not only does it pay tribute to the original story, but it also continues from there on. It's not a, straight shot for shot remake like lion king or any other ones that's very true i feel like they felt they had to put more of a plot in it almost like incorporate people more and things like that it's definitely a different it's it's a different retelling well if i'm not mistaken i think the angle burton was looking for was what happens to dumbo after his success of Mm. uh, being able to fly Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, In fact, speaking of that, let's go ahead and I'm going to read the summary of the film that I get off on IMDb. I don't write summaries. (laughs) (laughs) I usually just look on IMDb or Wikipedia and whichever one stands out to me is the one I pick. But here is a summary. I would recommend for those listening, um, if you've never seen this movie before, you might want to pause and check it out. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, Or you could obviously rent it on iTunes or however else. But we are not going to be spoiler free. We will talk spoilers. So I would check it out first. If you're still with us, here is the summary. Uh, Struggling circus owner Max Medici enlists a former star and his two children to care for Dumbo, a baby elephant born with oversized ears. When the family discovers the animal can fly, it soon becomes the main attraction, bringing in huge audiences and revitalizing the rundown circus. The elephant's magical ability also draws the attention of V.A. or Vanderveer, a entrepreneur who wants to showcase Dumbo in his latest larger-than-life entertainment venture. All right, so that is a kind of higher-level look at the movie, but we're going to obviously dive in. Um, The next thing I kind of want to do is I have a couple of quick facts I wanted to share that I got about the film, um, and then we can kind of go from there. Um, The first fact I have is that this is filmed entirely on a soundstage. Not even the outdoor scenes are exterior shots. Yeah, I learned that the other day, too, and that's amazing because it it looks so – like when they set up the uh, circus in Joplin, it just looks like they filmed outside. Yeah, I had no idea. I was actually wondering at some points. I'm like, oh, where's this film? But it's kind of like uh, the Jungle Book, I think, was like that, too, um, where it's like all on a, on a soundstage. Um, also, Vanderveer's, Vandermeer's, <laughs> V.A. Vanderbeer, Vanderbeer, 
his Dreamland Circus is heavily inspired by three theme parks, Coney Island, the World's Fair, and various Disneyland theme parks. I was definitely getting huge World's Fair vibes, but Coney Island and Disneyland can totally see that too. Oh yeah, well, especially with it with it taking place in New York, that's where you get your Coney Island, and then mm-hmm. was Hall of Science is definitely taken from uh, Carousel Progress. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I like the look of of Dreamland. I know Vandermeer is a bad guy, but that's probably one of my favorite parts of the film is when they're in Dreamland. So I like that. Um, this is Michael Keaton's fourth collaboration with Tim Burton after Beetlejuice, Batman, and Batman Returns, which I had not thought about that. I mean, that was in, you know, 1988, 89, and 1992. So it's 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 been a while. Yeah, he, he tends to rotate his stable quite a bit. Like, he goes yeah. to a lot of familiar faces, but he rotates them in and out with other people. Yeah. So... You know, as we discussed, um, Tim Burton is the director of this movie. Was there anything you kind of wanted to add about him before we continued on? I could talk for hours about how much I love Tim Burton. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I feel like a lot of people get polarized into, like, his older catalog and his newer one. It's kind of refreshing to hear from someone that that likes both. I, I really haven't found a movie of his i haven't enjoyed there's some i enjoy more than others but mm-hmm. like you mentioned ed wood uh that's one uh, of my favorites uh, it's an underrated one of his yeah absolutely i feel like this has some notes that are similar um with danny devito's character and his little ragtag team you know well it, it's often been said that tim burton loves the outcast Oh, for sure. So Dumbo, Dumbo's an outcast. The whole Meducci family circus, they're all outcasts. And I, from I heard correctly, I guess they were all actual, or most of them were actual sideshow performers. Or a lot yeah, of ex- I heard that, a lot like, of extras, were. extras. Yeah, yeah, it's it. That's very true. That's a good observation. Um, I also, you know, really wanted to talk about the cast. Um. You've got a lot of big people in this movie. Um, <laughs> like, it, I always think when I watch a children's movie like this that, you know, like we, the adults, like really enjoy the huge stars that they put in these kids' movies. But it's kind of funny to think about, like, a lot of kids wouldn't know who any of these people are. <laughs> yeah, if they see Colin Farrell, they're like, who's that guy? Because he's known for, I wouldn't say, like a lot more adult stuff, but I'd say maybe more mature stuff. Yeah, I feel like he's one of those people that when kids grow up watching this movie, like when they get older, they'll be like, oh, wow, these were big stars, you know, or they'll say, you'll say, oh, yeah, that's Colin Farrell. And they'll say, oh, yeah, he was in Dumbo. (laughs) And you're like, well, yeah, but (laughs) I mean, because that's kind of what happens. Like when you get older, you know, those stars are from those movies and you don't, you know, you didn't see all that other stuff that came before. But, um, yeah, we've got Colin Farrell, um, Michael Keaton. Ava Green, Danny DeVito, Alan Arkin. And then I wanted to also say a shout out to Nico Parker, who is very young in this film. She's uh, uh, Tandy Newton's daughter. Um, You've seen her on Westworld. Most recently, she was on The Last of Us. Um, So kind of an up and coming star. And her, uh, according to IMDb, her mom was filming solo, like in the neighboring studio while she was filming this. Yeah, yeah. Another movie that I'm sure was predominantly on a soundstage. <laughs> yeah. 
One thing I love about Colin Farrell too, and this is that he was a he was leaping at the opportunity to work with Tim Burton too. So he definitely oh, really? leaped all over this. Yeah, I don't think he because he wasn't the first choice. Oh, um, interesting. I think was it, I know Casey Affleck was a choice. There was like three other choices before Colin Farrell. Oh wow, I but did I know, not know that. I know Casey Affleck was one of the choices. Yeah, I think he does a really good job. I mean, I like his character, kind of subtle more mild he usually plays like kind of strange characters so it's kind of nice to see him just like be a dad (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know definitely something different for him i think that's what he wanted to do with something more heartwarming too yeah that makes sense and then of course danny devito i've seen like jokes about danny devito that like anytime tim burton calls him he's like i'll get my hat (laughs) like my top hat (laughs) i think this is is what i think this is the fourth film he's done with uh tim burton also yeah, I feel like he adds some good humor and I don't know, he's kind of he's playing kind of a rascal but one with a heart of gold towards the end at least. Yeah, it's a lovable guy. Like he's yeah. he's doing the best he can to take care of his circus family. Yeah, that part where he says like that they're all counting on him. I thought I was like, "Oh, that's sweet." So I feel like he gets to play like a more sweet, endearing character in this movie than he does in a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, and uh, even towards the end, when they're not, when he's forced to lay off his family circus from uh, Dreamland, he's not in on the plan, but he's instantly in on it when he sees what Holt's trying to do. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, so what do you want to talk about next with any actors specifically, or did you want to talk about just some scenes? Uh, I have often taught myself, I think this is the movie I officially fell in love with Eva Green. She's so beautiful and I really like her character, but I will always like her the most in the, uh, James Bond movies. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that was when I first saw her and I saw her in, uh, the other Tim Burton stuff she's done, like, uh, Mrs. Peregrine. And mm-hmm. um, Dark Shadows, but I just fell head over heels for her in this movie. Yeah, she plays a, a very sweet character. And I was like, you know, I was watching this, actually finished it a little bit ago. And I was I just said out loud, I'm like, man, she is so pretty. I I always enjoy her when she's on screen. She always does a great job. Yeah, and she does a good job of they make her appearing stuck up when you first meet her. But mm-hmm. it's. It's not like she needs to have uh, a come to God moment, I guess, or a humbling moment to reveal her true colors. She just really is that sweet person deep down, like how the kids run to her and she's um, cradling the son when uh, Mm -hmm. the daughter runs off and how she cares for Dumbo and Dumbo's trying to get that connection with her as well. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like looks can be deceiving, like she just kind of came across that way, but really... Yeah, you can't judge a book by its cover. And she really flat out tells Colin Farrell, like, oh, I'm, I'm just well, what was it, one of the many diamonds he wears to yeah. make him shine great or something like that, or just mm-hmm. arm candy for him. Yeah, exactly. He's, like, using her star power and, yeah, using her as arm candy for sure. But. Well, in contrast, you know, Michael Keaton is playing a bad guy here, which is not something he normally does in Tim Burton movies. So that's kind of interesting, too. And he does it so well. Yeah, he's a good bad guy. <laughs> I feel like in recent years he's done that a lot, and he's very good. Yeah, and he doesn't hide it at all because even the was they talk about it on Disorder and pick and the, all the Pixar and Disney movies they have that 
third that third act twist reveal for the villain. Mm-hmm. But like you know Michael Keaton's up to something when you first see him in this film. Right, yeah. He never comes across as a good guy. Yeah. Like he's greedy the second you meet him. Right, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, he does so he's this is probably one of my favorite performances he's done in the last few years too. He's just so good in this movie. I like his look too, like his haircut. I like a lot of the clothes in the film. I had read some fact that like the costume designer tried really hard to stay away from like the black and white stripes just because they're so present in like a lot of his aesthetic and she was yeah. kind of trying to do something a little different. And it, it still feels like him, but I it is different. And I did appreciate the costumes. I'm always going to point out the costumes in a movie because I liked costumes. Oh, very, very uh, period appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's still just had the whole movie just has that Tim Burton feel to it. Was well, there wasn't much black and white stripes in the first Batman film, so that's true. That's true. That very timeless feel. Sometimes he kind of gets pigeonholed on stuff, and it's like. Not necessarily true. It's more like an impression people have, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, what do you want to talk about in the film next? Do you want to talk about some specific scenes? Uh, yeah. So okay. you have fur babies like I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you ever associate your dogs with animals and films? Um, I guess like Toothless in... Um, how to train your dragon kind of reminds me of my dogs. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, people who know me, I know I have two cats. Um, mm-hmm. I have a black cat named shadow. I've always associated her with uh, blue from Jurassic world films. Cause me and her have that blue and, uh, Chris Pratt relationship, but, um, nice. <laughs> I've always associated my gray cat, uh, Binks with Dumbo because Aww. she was so tiny when I got her. When I when this film came out, and she's always chatty like how Dumbo is in this film. So yeah, I've always Aww. associated this film with my, every time I see Dumbo. Oh, I get very emotional when I watch this movie too, so I can throw that on front street. Um, but yeah, I think one thing that since I just mentioned I'm emotional and this relates to me so well is uh the first thing when Dumbo flies gets me every time. Aww. I have no idea why it just gets me every time. I think it's a heartwarming moment, and I do think they did a good job with Dumbo in this movie. I feel like he looks different than the animated Dumbo, but I think it was a good call not to make him look too, too much like an elephant. Like, you know, there there is a criticism of the Jungle Book movies and, like, The Lion King that the animals look too animal-like to where it's kind of hard to read the emotion on their faces at times. And I feel like the way Dumbo's designed, he's very cute and he's got, he's very expressive. Um, I think that that was a good call and I can see how, you know, the way that he's animated, it's like, you can kind of, he has a lot of personality and you can kind of pick up on it in the oh, movie. Oh yeah. Um, and you mentioned the heart. I saw a few reviews online where people were saying that this film had no heart. I'm like, what are you talking about? What movie were you watching? Because this movie's full of heart. The whole family aspect. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see that it doesn't have heart. That's strange. Yeah, I I think people, I, I really had this theory that people just dislike the live action remakes just to dislike them. Yeah, they're, are they always going to be as good as the original? No, but. A lot of them are still fairly entertaining. 
Yeah, I know, like, the original movie, I was Googling it really quick to see if it was a success or not. Um, it was a success, the original cartoon. Um, but apparently, um, originally, the studio wasn't happy with the original cartoon and, and made them put in, like, more scenes to, like, get the movie to be longer. Um, but I guess Disney refused to do that. Um, but, you know, it's like... I, I mentioned that or I was Googling that because some of the original um, animated Disney films, when you go back and look, they weren't successful either. But oh, then no. over time, they become more endearing and, like, that's not even as important. And I think, like, we got to remember, too, like, you can have your criticisms of these movies, but I think at the same time, they're made for children. And so it's like, I don't know, like, I really don't think a lot of kids are thinking that hard about some of this stuff. They're just enjoying the movie, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think sometimes that cynicism comes from people like, you know, wanting cartoons that they grew up with to stay the same and for them to be like, you know, untouched and all that. But I mean, really think about who the audience is for, you know, it's not for us necessarily. So I think, I don't know. I I'm, I'm okay with all the remakes. They don't bother me. Everything has to be Oscar worthy, apparently. Yeah, these <laughs> days. Yeah, that's very true. And I actually find myself watching less Oscar nominated movies than more Oscar nominated movies. Well, I think most people would agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> I like to watch a lot of the Oscar movies, but they're certainly not always known for being the most watched. So yeah. <laughs> there's something to be said for that for sure. Yeah, but that uh, the first scene where Dumbo flies gets me every time. I do not understand it. And um, I think I talked, I think Melissa and I talked about it on our show about how sad it is when Mrs. Jumbo's taken away. Yes, that's heartbreaking and, in the original, too. Yeah, and even when they show it in the uh, trailer, they give that mm-hmm. scene away in the trailer, and it still breaks your heart when you see it in the film every time when you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, I do like some of the. Homages they paid to the original movie. I like the pink elephants on parade scene when they get to dreamland. I like how that adapt to that with the bubbles. And then uh, I do like the, uh, I think it's also curtailing off of Dumbo flying for the first time uh, when he's doing the clown scene. Yes. Yes. I did like that. I liked the clown makeup in general. Like I thought Colin Farrell's clown looked good too. He kind of looked like a rodeo clown. Yeah. I like that and doing a little walk and, all that stuff. And it looks really good. And it sets up a sense of danger too for Dumbo. And mm-hmm. so those are a few of the things. I also like the breakout scene when they break out Mrs. Jumbo from the, uh, mm-hmm. from Nightmare Island. Yes. Yes. Which kind of reminds me of like Disney world again, like pleasure Island or something like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. That had to be a tribute to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I liked the scene. Let's see. Well, I thought it was cute. Um, when I guess like one of the first times he flies or the first time when he's in like the little, um, firefighter outfit, (laughs) I thought that was really cute. I like him spraying the, spraying the kids too when he flies back around them. Yeah. I like how they touch on so many classic parts of the movie, but kind of have a different spin like you mentioned, or like how um, there's an offering of champagne and 
<laughs> Danny DeVito's like, not for the baby, which is kind of funny because in the original, he did get drunk. That's how he oh, saw yeah. the pink elephants. <laughs> yep. I thought that was a nice twist, much like how they did with the stork, too. The stork sitting on top of the train car. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. What's uh, what's another good scene? Hmm. I do like some of the stuff too with the uh, with the sideshow people. Mm-hmm. Like right before their first show in Joplin, when the snake charmer is doing his thing, and the kid says, "That's fake," or "That's not a real snake." He just knocks the basket over and says, "Okay, go ahead." Yeah. And the snakes come out of <laughs> those kids. <laughs> the kids are interesting. Um, you know, you've got the daughter that she wants to go into science. And then the son kind of wants to stay in the circus. Yeah, the the boy that could do a handstand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like they give her her own little thing too in in the last scene of the film too. We're mm-hmm. essentially doing like a motion picture of Dumbo. Oh yeah, that's right. And I do like how they bring uh, Eva Green's Colette into the into the Medici brothers at the end too. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the whole uh, the whole escape. I meant I touched on uh, them breaking Mrs. Jumbo. I'd also like them having Dumbo make his great escape with Colette and everything. That whole chase scene too. Yeah, she like encourages him to fly. I forgot about that feather thing too. Like that's in the cartoon as well, where he has to like hold a feather, suck in a feather to fly. It's like a mind thing, I guess, for him. Yeah, I think I think he held it in the original, and this one he like snort sucks it up or snort snorts it or whatever you want to call it. But I do like the whole um, was it the whole thing with uh, the powder making him sneeze. Yeah, you just feel so bad for him in that too, though. I know. I heard that like I like how they have the song "Baby of Mine" in it. And I guess the one of the circus people um, said that that's in the film that sings it. Like she said that her grandmother sang it to her, and so she wanted to be the one to like sing it in the movie. I think it's the guy who plays the mermaid. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I do love. It. I think I have her version on my phone actually because I do love the arcade fire version that plays during the credits too. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I think I play during the closing credits and like going back to my sentimental side. If I ever got married someday, that's would be my mother's son dance song, baby. Oh, see, I'm, reveal- I'm revealing myself to be this huge wuss on your show. I need to go out <laughs> and do something manly afterwards. <laughs> hey, who says it's not manly to feel your feelings? Yeah, I'm going to go out and punch a bear or something now. <laughs> a yeah, cocaine we're not bear. covering cocaine bear, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It makes a lot of sense that this movie would be nostalgic for you, especially if you grew up with it. I mean, and I think a lot of those songs, like I kind of forgot about some of these songs. And I remember like when I was a kid, um, you know, a lot of movies would go in and out of the Disney vault all the time. And so you couldn't always get the Disney movies that you wanted to own. So one workaround that I had when I was a kid was I would buy a lot of the um sing-alongs like the disney sing-alongs do you remember those oh yeah my grandma had a few of them 
Yeah, I had a few. And so like songs like Baby of Mine and a few other songs are really stuck in my head because more than the movie, I saw the uh, those sing-alongs. And uh, you get Danny DeVito singing a couple of them in this song, too. He sings the Casey Jr. song, and I think he sings the Rostabout song, too. Mm. And we we can't talk about the music in this film without mentioning Danny Elfman's score. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another staple of um, Tim Burton's uh, casting. It wouldn't be a Tim Burton film without a Danny Elfman score. That is true. So I love his rendition of uh, Pink Elephants on Parade, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. Like, I really liked the the way that the music was woven into this one. Played a, played a great, great part. And I also like the Michael Buffer cameo we have doing, uh, instead of saying, let's get ready to rumble, let's get ready for Dumbo. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I wondered about that. I'm like, why does he say that specifically? Is that because he says, let's get ready to rumble? Yeah. I guess I'm ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also have him there. He also, he pays homage to the song the crows sing. When I oh, see an elephant fly, right. when he says, have you seen a house fly? You've seen a dragon fly. That's what I was thinking when he was saying that. I was like, that sounds like the original song. Yeah, well, you know, this day and age, they weren't going to dare tackle the crows. Yeah, no kidding. Probably best left uh, in the past. Yeah, so, um, I, so I, yeah, I think that I think that, and having Double Hold a Black Feather was just to pay homage to that. Oh, I just read a fact on here randomly that the original Dumbo was arguably Disney's most important production uh, because they were facing a financial crash when that happened. Yeah, um, right, but right around the time of World War, or at least when the United States got involved in World War II, wasn't it? 1941. Oh man, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I think you're right. 1941. I think it was something cheap for them to do too, so they didn't invest a lot of money into it. Yeah, because I guess I'm reading it's an LA Times article, but basically Pinocchio um, was groundbreaking. Um, but there was also Fantasia that year, which did not do well. Um, but Dumbo at 64 minutes, it's short. Yeah. It's a quick watch. I I don't think I ever realized that as a kid. I want to go back and watch it now. (laughs) Thinking about it. I think a lot of them seem that short when you sit and watch them nowadays. Yeah. Like a lot of kids movies used to be like an hour, an hour and a half. So that makes sense. It's just something to keep us quiet while our parents did the laundry or <laughs> dishes. Yeah, I remember going to the theater a lot, too, as a kid to see re-releases of a lot of these. Like, I think the first film I ever saw in theaters was uh, Cinderella. And obviously, I'm not old enough to have seen it when it first came out. I, I want to say my first movie that I can recall was either Bambi or Peter Pan as a, a summer oh, re-release. Oh, nice. Yeah. I remember seeing one of those early ones in there. Yeah, I liked both of those a lot as a kid as well. I watched those quite a few times. Yeah. Such good times. But, uh, yes. yeah, I really th- I really think this is, it's a, my honest opinion, it's probably the best remake is, is Dumbo. And I think it was probably the fir- perfect one for Tim Burton. Apparently, when he was in talks to do a live-action remake of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, wow. But he chose Dumbo. 
I think that was probably a safer bet. I've always, I love The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's like probably my favorite Disney film, but it's a bizarre choice when you really think about it. It's a very dark story. <laughs> yeah. It's I, depressing. I, and it, it just, I don't know, that would be tough to translate into a real movie these days. Yeah, and that and I think that Dumbo with, with the huge misfit underline, it's just right up his alley. I agree. And I feel like if he did, um, I don't know, I almost feel like the hunchback of Notre Dame is like problematic now. Like, I don't know how you do that movie today. You know, there was always a way around it. Yeah, that's true. Like you could spin it. Maybe it's more like the elephant man or something, you know, you could probably do that. I mean, he's very endearing in uh, the, the Disney adaption. Again, I have the art book. I really liked that book movie a lot, but well, I don't see them remaking my favorite one anytime soon. That's Robin Hood. <laughs> oh man, I loved Ro- Robin Hood's probably one of the best ones, like right. all around. Great well, music, great animation. Yeah, love me some Robin Hood and the Great Mouse Detective. That's another good one too. The Great Mouse Detective, underrated, great film. I mean, it's got Vincent Price. What more do you need I than know. a Disney movie? Radigan, yeah. <laughs> the world's greatest criminal mind. I love, um, it. <laughs> I love it. This is why we're friends. Yes, yes. <laughs> Agreed. Um, what's another great scene that you liked? Hmm. I do like the ending scene where it's almost like Medici's doing a commercial or an ad for the circus. Mm-hmm. So, so I do love that. I don't root for many couples in movies, but I was rooting for Holt and for Colette. Oh, I do like how they wound up together. And um, I also do like uh, Colette and Dumbo training together when they have that, yeah. little wipe, that little wipe out in the, in the, in the net. Yes. <laughs> So I, I like got that. so mad in the movie when um when Michael Keaton's character like removed the net. Yeah. That made me mad. And and they again another moment to make you like Danny DeVito's character a little more because it's clear in that moment that he was not a part of that. Yeah, where are the nets? Oh, they're invisible. Yeah. So also it's like they didn't do that well of a job. If they were trying to hide that Michael Keaton was the bad guy, they did a very poor job of it, but like well, yeah. well, the guy strolls into town, like, you know, he's up to something. Right, right. And then he burns down his whole um, little empire. I did like that. Weren't there still people stuck on the roller coaster, though? I was like, okay, this is where he crossed over from rich jerk to, like, murderer. Because there's no way there were no casualties. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of people there. The roller coaster was still going. The Ferris wheel was going. Like, there's no way all those people got out. <laughs> I know. I did like how he burned it all down, though, and, like, he really only had himself to blame. <laughs> yeah. I do like how they, they saw this on IMDb, too, how the, the D falls off of Dreamland, like how it did for Dumbo when uh, they first introduced him in the circus when the D falls down and says Dumbo. Oh. I did I said, not notice that. And for the last three years, I've been talking myself and not into buying one of those uh, Believe Dreamland posters with Dumbo on it. Oh. I really want one of those. I think I'm going to have to bite the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I like, too, like um, the Dreamland part. Um, 
it was giving me Metropolis vibes towards the end. <laughs> uh, probably another def- Tim Burton thing, Staples. Yeah. That kind of uh, 1920s uh, German look. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But it definitely did a good job of making it look at something of the future, because this takes place, what, 1919? So. Mm-hmm. So, that's that what, retro that, future that, is that, really cool. That's that's what they thought the future would look like back then. Yeah. I love it though. I would have liked to have seen maybe the roustabouts or the um see the, the sideshow family get to work in the circus where they would have put them in there. Yeah. I guess you get the feeling that they're all gonna like band together and work again though, because I mean Dreamland's no longer a thing. Yeah, and you get to see them all again at the end because I think this, this Shakespeare guy teams up with uh, the mermaid and they do their little underwater sketch and mm-hmm. so all they go to animal free or uh, cage free animals and all that stuff. So that's a good idea, anyway. It's poor animals. Yeah. And um. They did have another that second villain too. They had that roustabout that was in charge of the elephants at first, who ends up getting his his comeuppance. Oh yeah. By torturing Mrs. Jumbo. Mm-hmm. Which just kind of seems unnecessary. Like. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> yeah, I did like uh, Mrs. Jumbo's um, makeover when she had like all the skeleton makeup on. That kind of looked neat, even though I oh, know yeah. it was to make her look scary, but. I thought it looked kind of cool. Yeah, I did like it. It's a good look. And uh, with the the crocodile with the stuff paint, tape all over him. Yeah. yeah That's good stuff. And uh, you really feel for Mrs. Jumbo in this too, because mm-hmm. her her actions do not go. She is she is not out of line. No, any. it's her baby. Yeah. Just feel so bad. And you, uh, pull Colt is trying to keep them all calm too, and it it does work until. Uh, the other elephant trainer steps in. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's how you get away with it. Like he had his, his, his own fault why he died. So his own comeuppance. Yep. Agreed. But I think I mean, nowadays that would have gotten that circus shut down so fast though. <laughs> right. I feel like people shouldn't be passing away while they're doing stuff like that, but they are working with giant dangerous animals that really can't be tamed and shouldn't be, you know, made to do tricks. So, yeah, I always feel like I have such a, such mixed emotions about the circus because like aesthetically it's like cool looking, it's retro, it's fun, but yeah, it's like when you really think about it, you feel bad for the animals. Um, I'm glad that that's kind of not really a thing anymore. Um, but I mean, this is fiction, so you can be like, Dumbo was taken care of. <laughs> yeah. He's good. And you could also say it was a different time. Plus, they set him free oh, at the end. Oh, for sure. Yes. 100%. Well, yeah, and I feel like even when I was a kid, when I saw a circus, a lot of times it was, like, very clown-heavy. Oh, um, yeah. Which I feel like is way cheaper and easier anyway. Um, but I felt like they were already moving away from that. But, yeah, it's a totally different time period. I don't judge the people then. And this is, like, a fictional version of that time period. And so, you know, they, they did a 
better job of like you know that's they're all digital animals so no one's getting hurt yeah yeah it's it's a kind of bittersweet thing too i'd like because how often are those of us that live in the city or anything like that going to see lions and tigers and elephants up close yeah other true. than going to, other than going to a zoo so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's better for the animals in the long run that they're not involved anymore but at the same time it's like still kind of like something cool to look forward to yeah when you're a kid it was a big deal it is kind of interesting that that's gone away we have Cirque du Soleil I guess <laughs> yeah I guess for well, the fancy higher end I guess yeah well was were there any other scenes that we haven't touched on yet I don't think so. Okay. Well, if we got the highlights, that's good. Um, okay. Well, you know, if if we're kind of at the end here, I guess that brings me to my last couple of questions for you. Uh, number one being, why do you love this movie? What you know, what keeps you coming back to it? I love Tim Burton. I love Disney and Dumbo, and I like a good cry every now and then. So it's on those that list of films that'll give me a good cry when I want to. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a heartwarming story. I'm very nostalgic for the original, especially, but I think it's a pretty good adaption of it. So, yeah. Um, what would what you say to someone that's thinking about seeing it and hasn't seen it yet? Don't let other people's misconceptions of these live action remakes keep you from seeing it because there are some good live action remakes. I'm probably one of the few people that defended uh, Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio that came out last year. Mm-hmm. So like, don't let the, don't let the uh, majority who don't like these live action remakes tell you that it's bad because it's one of the better ones, at least in my opinion it is. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize it was Robert Zemeckis. That actually makes me more likely to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Much like much like this one, it's not as good as the original, but I still really enjoy it. Tom Hanks is really good as Geppetto. Hmm. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I um I agree with you. Like I've said before, I I don't walk into these not wanting to enjoy them. You know, if I see one, I don't get to see all of them, but I think you should go into them with an open mind. I totally agree. If you're gonna walk in expecting to hate it, then why are you going even to see it to begin with? Yeah, I've never understood that. I go to movies to have a good time, so <laughs> yeah, that's what I prefer to do. Well, Jared, this was really fun. Thank you so much for picking this movie. Um, do you have anything, any plugs that you want to share before you, before you go? Uh, just keep your uh, podcast feeds turned to Nerd Nation's podcast. Now that I have a little bit of a more steady travel schedule, we'll, nice. Melissa and I'll be throwing out some more. Uh, some more episodes here. We have an idea for you to come on our show again, Lisa, because it's been would a while. Would love to. Yeah, I know it has been a while. Would love to come back. And uh, yeah, right now, just since I'm no longer on the stage, I'm doing videos for my theater troupe back home. So look for that, I guess. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming and uh, look forward to having you back soon. Thank you for having me.